This is the point where I start talking and Karen starts laughing. <laughs> I have a good reason for laughing this time. Why? Because you started the music and you forgot to hit record. <laughs> oh, that would have really stunk if you didn't hit record. You should have seen how many times I had to redo the video I did this morning, like 75 hours ago, because I woke up early and it's already 10, 23 at night when we're recording this. But <laughs> I had to redo. If I showed you the, the clips that I had to go through this morning, you'd understand why I hit the record, why I started the music without hitting the record button. Been a, been a long day. Oh man. Let's talk about let's let's just wrap up the entire 2020 Supercross season here because it happened. Karen and I already <sighs> did, already did our standing ovation for Eli, Eli Tomac last. <laughs> yes, we did. We did it. But and the I'm awkward so, claps. I'm sorry these these podcasts don't get out like super timely, and it's it's because we have four kids, I guess, and there's so much going on. And even tonight, it was like. Can we do we even have the energy to do this? I but, was the one that brought it up. I'm all, are we doing this or what? Okay. I guess I, we're it's doing not, it. It's not that I don't want to do it. It just, there's a million thousand things that we've got going on all the time. And it's, it's hard to find the time, but it was super fun to watch the race. We watched the race on Sunday. None of you guys will hear this until Thursday. Everyone already knows what happened and you've already listened to 25 other podcasts and everything about it. And uh, in this, po- in this <laughs> you podcast, you don't need to listen in anymore. This, this Just pod- turn this off. <laughs> in this podcast, what we're really going to do is tell you something you haven't heard before. And that's all we've ever done in this podcast. We're just going to tell you what we think. And that's why it still matters and it's still relevant because here's oh. what we think about what happened. But I will say that this was, I was just telling Karen, we were just kind of going back and reviewing some of the racing. And I just have to say, that some a major, major change needs to happen with Supercross. And that is we've got to blow up this whole East-West 250 thing. No more showdown. And well, No, what I'm saying is it these showdown races where you do have the East 250 East class and the 250 West class come together, you realize something like a light bulb goes off in your mind and you're going... The fact that we don't have this every week is stupid. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, no more showdown. Like, just all together from the get-go. All the time. Yeah. All together, all the time. Yeah. You know, they. It was an. It's an antiquated. It's an outdated thing where did it's like, you just oh, say antiquated. I did. Wow. It's an antiquated model where they're like, Your oh, these two fifty, so these two fifty riders can't afford to travel their cross country, <laughs> and it's like these two fifty ride the the good ones can. You could say the same thing about the privateers and the 450s. They can't afford it either. Yet, you know, but these are the only people in the top 10 are all factory teams or like huge deep pockets with these other sponsors. You know, they can afford this. We need to have East and West go away. And it's just the 250 class and it's the 450 class. The 250 class was awesome. Like the like the kids in the 250 class, they're they're more on edge. They're trying to prove something. They have less brain power, I swear to you. And <laughs> and they're they're more aggressive. They're less effective. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> it's fun to watch because they're just doing stupid stuff sometimes because they're young and are you talking about a particular 16-year-old? They All of them do. We can talk about Michael Moseman. We could talk about Jet Lawrence. We could talk about um, Austin Fortner. We can talk about, 
anyone. You you go down the list. Chase Sexton, the only the only one that wasn't like riding out of his mind and was Shane McElrath. McElrath. But like Chase Sexton did one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. He did the stupidest thing I've ever seen him do in the heat race. Uh, Michael Moseman was crazy. Dylan Frandis had a bad night. Jet Lawrence is always riding with his hair on fire. Like he is, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna do a you know front flip and a back flip and a whip out every every lap. You know he's riding completely out of his out of control half the time. You know it's fun to watch, but I'm just saying these guys. And when you see the two East and West together, you're like, this is how it should be. This is the entire talent pool. What we get to see every week is just half the talent pool. You know, in the two fifties. So and when that, these boys they ride out of their mind, you're just thinking about. Well, at least I'm thinking about because I'm a mom. Cameron McAdoo, that was another one. I'm thinking about man. What about these poor kids' moms? You know, just seeing their kid riding out of their mind and out of a little bit out, out of, of control. their control. I don't know. I can only imagine some moms maybe just have their eyes covered with their hand and just praying that they don't die. You know, <laughs> just that would be so hard. Well, and they get hurt all the time. Like if you're in Supercross, you're getting hurt all the time. And one of the things that you have to learn if you're going to win a championship is you have to learn how to ride at this level without crashing that much. And that's what Austin Fortner still has to learn because two years in a row now, Austin Fortner has gotten hurt basically in the last race. I th- last year in 2019, it might have been the second to last race or whatever, but Austin Fortner was going to win that thing. And then he, I think he got hurt in the very last race and then Dylan Frandis was able to beat him. Same thing happens this time, only this time Dylan Frandis is is leading in the points just by a few points. And then Austin Fortner, his main comp- competition, they get into the main event. Yeah. Austin Fortner, like, pile drives his face and everything into the ground like. and causes a red flag in the race. A red flag is where it they have to stop the race in the fir- with with less than three laps that have been completed. And so then they do a red flag and they do a restart. Austin Fortner is now out. So... Just and and that made a clear easy path for for Dylan Frandis um, to win. So they they crown, they crowned three champions. You had Chase Sexton was crowned as the East 250 East champion. Uh, Dylan Frandis was crowned as the 250 West champion, and Eli Tomac was crowned as the 450 champion. Um, they all deserved to win. I mean, let's just let's just call it like it is. Even though Dylan Frandis got super lucky that there were no fans in the stands. Oh, Dylan, he does have one fan. <laughs> Dylan Ferrandez that does have one fan, Kevin. Oh, but Kevin. no, he's got he's got a lot of fans, and he deserved to win this thing. But what I'm saying is, he is lucky that he didn't have fans to boo him the last seven rounds because he would have gotten booed hard in Salt Lake City. So he got he kind of dodged a bullet with that one. Chase Sexton, here's what Chase Sexton did that I couldn't believe. Chase Sexton was your uh, 250 East champion. And he rode really well. And Chase Sexton, I think, was a better, way better rider this year than he was last year, even though last year he won. But I, he kind of won by default. Um, I, uh, I, I guess it was, it was, it wasn't. Chase Sexton was, uh, was right behind Austin Fortner last year. That's what happened. And then Fortner crashed out in the last race, and that's how um, Chase Sexton ended up winning that championship. Because um, over he, what, the way that Dylan Fernandez won the championship is he was right behind Adam C. and Cirillo. That's how that worked. And C. and Cirillo, you know, to- piled it up in the in the two fifty, you know, ultimate round in the two fifty. So what we what we're seeing last in the last two years, last year and this year, you saw three different guy or one guy last year and two guys this year throw it away in the two fifty uh, main event on the last race of the year. You know, yeah. and I think it's just because they're just 
there's so much pressure and they're riding so fast and out of their minds and, and they just, you know. <sighs> so, yeah. But what happened with with uh, Chase Sexton in the heat race is he, was, he got a bad start. He was in ninth after like the first lap or something. Um, and he comes up and he catches... Um, he catches, who am I talking about? Shane McArath and was it Justin Cooper? He catches those two guys or is it Colt Nichols? No, it's Justin Cooper. I can't remember. Oh. Maybe it was Colt Nichols. And yeah, it had to be Colt Nichols because you had the two Yamaha guys up front. And so Chase Sexton comes from ninth all the way up to third. And on the second to last lap, he drives it in really tight on Colt Nichols. Or I can't remember who it was. It was the Colt or I keep saying both of them. Anyway, he comes in tight on second place. Doesn't quite make the pass. And then on the last lap, he doesn't, and he, does, he doesn't even have to do it. He doesn't have to do this. On the last lap with like two turns to go, two or three turns to go, he comes and he jumps on top and lands on top of Colt Nichols. Oh. I don't know what happened to Colt Nichols' hand, but it ripped him off the bike. It was a, it was a stupid move by Chase Sexton because he almost threw his whole season away. You he can't. basically walked his bike across the finish line. Yeah, Colt did. And so yeah. it was horrible. Colt barely qualifies for the main, but he, he was hurt too bad to, to come and and do it who knows he probably got something broken in his hand or in his wrist because freaking Shane or Chase Sexton landed on top of him and so that was not a cool move like that was I wouldn't say dirty it was just stupid yeah, he, he wasn't trying reckless. to hurt him it was just reckless and it's yeah. like dude he's in the you can't jump there he's coming into he's blocking it you know, and, and, and Chase Sexton got lucky that he didn't crash out and lose like his whole season. like he had tunnel vision or something and wasn't aware of other people, which well, is something that, well, yeah. He like, just, I think he was aware of him. He just like, I'm going through you. And it's like, you can't jump through someone. It's one, <laughs> it's one thing to like come in and block past somebody. It's another thing to land on them. Those are two different things. Yeah. And so hopefully Shane McElroy, or I mean, Chase Sexton figures that out over the off season. Somebody like yeah, Ricky Carmichael somebody, said he's going to have to watch the replay on that one. Yeah. Somebody needs to come up to him and hit him in the helmet and be like, um, <laughs> you really lucked out on that one. Do not ever do that again. Yeah. Because you, it, you're putting other people at risk and you are putting yourself at risk. So that isn't cool. But anyway, and so there were fireworks like crazy in both the heat races, you know, cause these guys are going for it. They want to get into the main and then the main, there were fireworks, um, but essentially what happens is Dylan Frandis doesn't really have to do anything because his main competition, he was already, a, he was already the points leader. And then the guy who was in second place, who's Austin Fortner, isn't even is now out because of the red flag. And so Dylan Frandis basically just to get, just to get to ride around and do some laps and, and drive it home. Yeah. Um, which and, is a super comfortable place to be when you think about it because yeah. it's not, not all coming down to the wire. Yeah. And then Chase Sexton, he, he gets a gift. Uh, in that in that uh, restart because he was buried in the pack with the restart. Shane McElrath was one that kind of got hosed on it because Shane yeah, McElrath out was out front. in front both times and, uh, you know, like up there and up there in the lead. And then Chase Sexton finally passes McElrath and McElrath knows that he has to he has to beat Chase and Chase has to finish like fourth or worse in, in order for McElrath to win. And I think that Chase Sexton was just a little bit concerned that McElrath was going to try to pull something and and hit him from behind, and so Chase Sexton lets him go by, right, Karen? And then what? Happens? Oh yeah, he like just turns around and just kind of almost stops and lets McElrath by. Not really, but it looked kind of like it. He did. And then um, they played a game of cat and mouse for a second, and then 
passing each other. And oh, man, the interview afterwards kind of rubbed us a little bit wrong with Chase Sexton. But yeah, because he said he said, yeah, McElroth wanted to play some games, but whatever. And that kind of pissed me off because no, Chase, (laughs) you were the one playing the games. You were the one that let let McElroth get past you because he was worried that McElroth might try to do something. Well, okay, so you let him buy you. You were the one that started the game. And then because McElroth wasn't going to play that game, then you had to then end the game by passing him. And kudos to Chase. He ended up passing him, and, and he just he just and laid he did, the wood. He did pull away. He, yeah. he laid the wood on Shane McElrath, and so that was good. And so he's your he was your winner last night, and he was the winner of the series. Where did the, lay the, the wood come about anyway? I don't know. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Squirrel. I don't know. But, yeah, so it was, it was a good race. It was a good season uh, and super anticlimactic for the, for the West because – Dylan Fernandez, all he had to do was ride around and get that win. So let's move on to the 450s. The 450s, here was my favorite thing about what happened in the 450 race. Zach Osborne won. Zach Osborne got his his first 450 win of his career. I hope he has, I should say, I hope he has many more, but he's old enough. I, he probably won't have a ton more, but I'd like to see him get, you know, several more. We are um, Zacho fans. Because even though he's, he's it's only his second year in the 450s, he's older than anyone else who's ever won a, chi- a title. In fact, it's probable it's probable that I think Eli Tomek is the oldest guy to ever win a championship. He's the only guy to ever win a championship when he had a baby. It just goes to show you that like this sport is so demanding and it requires you to be so selfish is not the right word I want to use, but I, I can't think of another one like self-centered. You have to be so self-centered and so self-absorbed. I know these are things that sound really negative negative but i'm not meaning him in a negative way it's just your work and your job and your training has to be the sole focus of your life if you're going to be at the top top level and eli tomac is the first one to do it while he had a kid and he should have done it two three years ago but he didn't and then this one it just so happened that he had a baby like you know a month ago or something and now he's this champion and so he's done something that no one else did and it just shows you that this is really hard to do and I, I mean, he, uh, hopefully he comes back. Um, but can he repeat? I don't what know. What do you think, Karen? Can, I don't he, know. can he repeat it next year? I don't know. Or, 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 or what would you do? Would you just retire? I don't, I don't know that he's going to retire, but I, I don't know. There is a couple of guys, Cooper Webb, right under him that if he's all in and all well, He's going to be hard to beat. If Cooper Webb would have been well at the at the beginning of the season, Eli Tomac gets beat again. Oh, because yeah. Because Co- Cooper Webb came on so strong. Once they got to Salt Lake, even though Cooper didn't really do anything in this race, he scored more points than anyone in Salt Lake City. Maybe after that last round, after the six, for the six rounds they had up until this last round, the Cooper, Webb, night Cooper Webb had scored had scored more points than anyone. He was coming on strong. If he came into the season strong instead of like completely like on his deathbed, I think he wins this season. Well, that's how Tomac was the last few years. You know, kind of a crappy start to the season, and then he's got to, like, make up all these points. You know, he's done that a couple of times, that Tomac. Which is why Tomac didn't win in those other ones. And then Cooper had that same type of deal. Only only Tomac didn't win because he was sick. He just didn't win because... He wasn't consistent. You and know, he, he forgot have, how to pick up his bike. He'd have a couple rounds where he was just, he just <laughs> sucked. 16th place, 12th place. And you can't do that. And to his credit, he cleaned all that up and he, yeah. he was able to, you know, figure that out. 
And so he, he won the championship and, and kudos to him. I mean, that was, it was his best year because of that. It wasn't the funnest year to watch him, but it was, he put it all together. And I think that was, it was super awesome to see. I was really interested because I knew we knew he was going to win barring some crazy thing. And I asked Karen uh, the morning of the race, are we going to see like a new side of Tomac? Is he going to like, was he going to cry at the end? You know, is he going to like pull a Zach Osborne where he just lets all the emotion well, out? We had a family council about how Tomac is going to respond. I thought it was so funny. Everyone had their opinion, you know, and my opinion was what happened. <laughs> I mean, the kids were like, well, maybe he is going to like be excited. And, and then Kyle's like, maybe he will, you know, get emotional or something. And I thought about it for a second and he's too stoic or something or too serious to actually break down crying. But then I was like, well, he is a dad now that does raise some emotions, but you know, was it NBC that was covering it? So we, yeah. So we didn't get to see all of the post interviews, which I wish we could. But have. we we did just. But now. we did, yes. Um, but that day, you know, and so it, it was more of a woo, is what he said. <laughs> and that was it. That, that was, was all it. he did. That's all he did. And we saw. We just watched afterwards, like on YouTube here, the whole thing, and his the biggest thing. He was like woo. Yeah, he had his number one plate in one hand, and was it the trophy in the other? Woo. And then I was just started laughing because I'm like, well, there's his excitement level. I mean, everyone's different with how they react to things, but yeah. I was hoping to see some kind of, oh, this is the best, you I, know? And yeah. I was a little let down because I wanted to see, I wanted to see like all of it just come and him just let loose. And I understand I'm not saying he was not authentic because I, how would I know? But I was disappointed that we didn't get to like peel back because Basically, what I've seen from Tomac over the last five years is he's a robot. He's a robot oh. that was that was programmed to be the best ever, but there was just a couple little tweaks in the code or whatever where you know and the and the master designer had to go through there and like fix some of these things. <laughs> but he was basically unbeatable except for the fact that there was flaws in the code and then they and then this year they figured it out. And and all it did is prove is just prove to me that he's he is a robot. He's a machine. He's not a he's not a real person because you can't really beat him unless he beats himself. And he didn't show any emotion. I was just a little disappointed. I wanted him to just all of a sudden break down and show us that he was real. What he did post-race that was the most real thing that I've heard out of him, and maybe Tomac and I would be really good friends. Like Maybe part of the reason why I can't understand him is because we're like the same person or something. you know. <laughs> and so I look at him and I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Oh. But he said... Will Christian asked him, like, you know, all these wins and all this stuff, what are you feeling right now? And he said, you know, for a while there, I was wondering if this was going to, if this was getting out of reach because so much had passed. I had done so many things, but yeah, and I'd gotten so close so many times, but couldn't get it. And he's like, I was wondering if it was out of reach. You don't really want to say that, is what he said. And so it was, it was the first time he got a little vulnerable, a little vulnerable. And, you know, the code, there was some weakness in the code. And he's like, he's like, I, I don't know. Uh, I for a while I wondered if it was out of reach. Yeah, and that was the most. Well, that human... would be a natural thing for him to say, well, sure, or to feel. And that was the most. Nat that's the most human thing that I maybe have heard him say. And I was, I just wanted a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I wanted him to crack the, 
the shell a little bit more, but hey, he won the sucker. He deserved it. We did the standing O for Tomac last week, but I'll give him one more. (laughs) Kyle really does have those loud claps. You cannot hear it. I listened to the podcast, which I never do. I listened to the last one um, on my way home today, and I was listening to the clap portion, and it did not do it justice. Those claps of Kyle's are crazy loud. So, anyways. It's all the ducking and crossover I have and all this audio equipment, you know. Yes, all the ducking. But, yeah, so Eli Tomac. But here's the thing. With the race, he just rode around. He he didn't get the best start. He was kind of buried. And the other thing, the, the part that sucked about the race was that uh, Cooper, a bunch of guys, it was a really hard like 180 hairpin turn on off of a short short start straight. And then another and a ton of guys got a ton of, yeah, and then another 180. Ton of guys got tangled up. Cooper Webb got tangled up, you know, and so he started like in 15th, which is his worst start of the season, I swear. And then, you know, so he basically was buried, and he was the only guy that could have done anything to Tomac. And and so he was kind of buried back hey, Ken there. Ken Roxon could do something to Well, Tomac. Ken Roxon started out good. He was in like second place in the beginning. And then he, he like pushed, a, pushed his front wheel after the third or fourth corner. And then he fell way back. And essentially then Cooper Webb finished eighth and Ken Roxon fi- finished seventh. And those guys just all they did was turn laps. They did not push. They just fell back from the leaders because Zach Osborne and Jason Anderson and Dean Wilson were actually pushing out front. And what you saw was, was Eli Tomac passed a few people, but he did not push at all. He was just losing time to the leaders. And so it was very anticlimactic because um, Eli Tomac and Cooper Webb and Ken Roxon all, you could see they were not trying to win the race. They weren't uh, racing like they were a no. few weeks ago. Or, they weren't racing I like guess. they did the, the yeah. three days before. All of them were still pushing then. And then on, yeah. the, on the last race, Tomac, all he had to do was finish like 20th. Do you think some of that has to do with the actual track or mental capacity or combo? It's just, well, the track was difficult, which was, which was fun to see. It was a slower track. It took them more time. It was a more technical track, but they, no one had anything to race for. By the time the gate dropped in the 450, the only thing that Cooper Webb had to race for was pride in winning the race. I guarantee you Cooper Webb wanted to win the race. And if he would have been in the top three, in fact, if he would have been in the top five, I think Cooper Webb would have pushed for it to win the race. He wouldn't have won the season, but he would have won the race and he has enough pride. And I also believe that Ken Roxon would have done the same thing. If Ken Roxon would have been able to hold on to that second place or first place, right when he went down, wherever it was, Ken Roxon would have pushed and done everything he could. But once he went down and like, Everyone passed him. At that point, it was like, dude, let's just get home. Let's just get home healthy because I've got nothing to I've got nothing to we race got the for outdoor right now. Series coming I'm up. not gonna pass these 17 people. I'm not gonna make up 12 seconds on this track. And same thing with, with Cooper Webb. It was like freak. I'm in 15th place now. It's a tough track, I know, because I've already gone through the heat race. I've gone through the, the qualifying and everything and the practice. This is not the track to pass 15 people on. And I don't have anything to gain here. Nothing to gain. Yeah. I can push as hard as I want and maybe get up to third. Third does nothing for me. And so what happened was Cooper Webb and, and Ken Roxon basically just started riding around doing laps. And same thing with uh, Eli Tomac. He finished in fifth. But he was losing time. That's one thing that I'm always watching for. You you see them like you you'll see Tomac or these different guys passing people, but it's basically because people they're just faster than these other people. 
but you watch the pace that the leaders are putting on. And in this case, it was Zach Osborne and Jason Anderson were kind of like, you know, swapping for that. And you could see they were pulling away from Tomac, which they should never do. No yeah. one, the code that Eli Tomac is written with, is programmed <laughs> with, does not allow for him to be slower than the leaders unless the switch is flipped. But when they when they when they hit the, the the little button on the back of Tomac's helmet that says "Go into beast mode, race win mode," he is incapable of riding slower than these other riders. And so last night, when you know when you see that he is off the pace of the leaders, you know somebody has flipped the switch on the back of his helmet that says yeah. "Go into ride around prevent mode," and <laughs> you know, and I just. Can so, I quote you on that right around mode? Yeah, so oh, it was a little bit, it was a little anticlimactic there in the 450s because all Tomac had to do was ride around, you know, and it was a great season. I'm really glad that they got it finished. Um, and I think Tomac did probably win the hardest one. If not, I, I don't know how you could say that this wasn't the hardest Supercross ever because you had, you had to get ready for the season. And then you go, and then everything changes. So you had to go on pause, but you don't know how long to go on pause. Oh, man. And basically, then you have to come back almost three months later and then just slam it all into three weeks, seven races in three weeks. And I don't know, but I also, so that's the hardest thing, the hardest one I think anyone's ever had to do. These guys are mentally tough enough. If you have any question how mentally tough these people are, you are not paying attention. Yeah. And and I say that I've I've criticized Tomac saying like he's a head case or whatever and he's not mentally tough. He's you know, the, so mentally tough. He's mentally tough. Yeah. It's just it's just like well something happened and and you then you couldn't win, you know, and he hasn't had it all there mentally in the years past and this year he figured it out, but it isn't because he's not mentally tough. You know, and so <laughs> He wouldn't be where he's if, at if, if he wasn't I, mentally tough. If I've ever said Eli Tomac didn't win because he's not mentally tough enough, I guess what I would say is put it in context of who else we're talking about. Eli Tomac is probably twice as mentally tough as me, but if you put him up against like what has happened with even, you know, Ryan Dungey and Cooper Webb, yeah. Those guys in those moments were tougher and more consistent than, than Eli Tomac They've was. They've got Alden Baker. But, but then this year, <laughs> Eli Tomac goes out there and he proved that he's just as tough mentally as any of those guys. And I mean, look at Ken Roxon. Look at the stuff that he's had to put up with in the last three oh, years man. with injuries and everything else. And now this year with his health and his breathing and all this stuff, and he's still out there laying it down and winning races when he shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be, when he shouldn't even have a hand. Oh, and he's out there winning races at the highest level. Yeah. And then one week he gets lapped twice because he's so sick with shingles. And then the very next week when you're like, the guy's gonna, you know, of course he's going to get past. He goes out there and he beats everyone. Yeah. He wins the race and you sit there and you say, you cannot look at that and be like, well, last week he, he lost because it was mentally a basket case. <laughs> and then the next week he comes out and then beats the out of these heck. guys. He meant to say heck. I didn't say anything. I just said, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no secret there that we're Ken rocks and fans around these parts. We used to not be. 2016-17, we were not. We weren't haters either, though. We were worried and rooting for our dungeon man, which... He was a threat then. He was a threat. But it wasn't that we got, were then haters. Then he got hurt, and we really felt you bad know. for him. Oh, But yeah, so I, I don't know. We, we've been... 
through the ringer with that Ken Roxon. And we seriously root him on. That's great. Um, another question, though, the Chad Reed situation, you know, he is saying there's a little bit of mixed messages out there if he's ending his career, if he's going to go one more round. And I think had COVID not come, there would be no question that this would have been his last one. Um, but in his interview this last weekend, he said something like, you know, this ending on Father's Day week would be a great one to end on, or day. It was Father's Day, right? Yeah, because he had his yeah. like, one of the best races of the season. It was like, a, what, what did he finish? Top, I've got that over here somewhere. I just He finished 10th. 10th. <laughs> he finished 10th, which might have been his best finish of the year. Yeah. Which, you know. Well, and then he also has uh, a couple of children who want to start racing and um, thinking that he'll shift over to worrying about his kids. And that's what he said. I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but he was talking about how, you know, ending it on Father's Day and so I can focus on my kids. And uh, I think that's a great place to be. I mean, if you are Chad Reed and you've got kids, that's your dad. Of course, you're going to have some... Um, benefits there of learning how and the ropes and the ins and outs and different training techniques and whatnot. And so, yeah, I wish Chad Reed all the best, even though he almost hit me when I was pregnant on a bike, you know. <laughs> yeah, he did. We've already told that story. So. I'm looking at the clock. I'm going, it's 10.52 and I've got to get up at like 6, 5.45. That's a wrap, folks. And I still have to produce this and put it out tonight. But I do thank you, Karen, for coming down here and doing these podcasts with me. Um, I want you to come down and do some more with me, even though we got Supercross over. So now we we'll won't do, have anything we'll, to talk about. We'll do some more. No, we've got plenty to talk about. There will be some other good I'm stuff. I'm a Supercross girl, though. I do love it. It's been fun. Yeah, but there's other cool things we can talk about. <laughs> carburetors. Kelly carburetors. Woohoo! Holly carburetors. <laughs> so, anyway... If you want to support Dirt Bike Channel, one of the easiest ways you can do that is to go over to dirtbikechannel.com right now because there, we don't have any sponsors. I, 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 there are people that reach out to me and say, hey, can we sponsor this? Can we sponsor that? And <laughs> <laughs> You know what the problem is with a sponsor is then you have to like talk about them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, the so, mental energy. So, well, it's almost like then you're beholden to them and you got to make them happy, you know, and whatever. So... I don't love that. And it isn't that I'm never going to do that because I, I oh. man, I'm going to have to edit this whole thing out. You sure are. I'm not. I'm not though. <laughs> I'm not going to edit this out. I'm just saying like, we don't have sponsors on this oh. thing because no. I haven't reached out. People email me all the time. They're like, Hey, can we sponsor? You want to sponsor this? Or can we sponsor this? Can we sponsor that? And I look at it and I'm like, I don't even want to do that right now. So the best way you can support Dirtbike Channel right now is to go to Rocky or go to my links on dirtbikechannel.com. Up in the upper right hand corner, there's a links section there, and I have links to Rocky Mountain ATV, Motorsport, and Amazon. Those really do help to support uh, Karen and I. If you're getting value out of any of this stuff, you're buying parts already. Anyway, why not use my links and then it helps support us. It won't cost you a dime. It's a win-win yeah. for everybody. So go over there. If you want to email me, Kyle, at dirtbikechannel.com, I can give you a link that you can bookmark, make it super easy in your browser. Um, I think that's about what I've got for you now. That's all. Maybe we shouldn't record these podcasts at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> 
Some of those are our best ones. What are you kidding? It's true. Okay. I want you guys to have a good week and leave a single track. Thanks. <laughs>